0: you would turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter eight and we're going to start in on verse eighteen and go through verses go through verse thirty nine. so that's a pretty long passage. If you can stand go ahead. if you can't that's okay um, but it is a long passage so, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await eagerly our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for but the spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the spirit because the spirit intercedes for god's people in accordance with the will of god and we know that in all things god works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose for those god foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters And those that he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us pray. Hide me behind your cross, Lord Jesus. Articulate the Father's heart through my voice, And let the Holy Spirit breathe new life to us, opening our ears to hear the message of God. Amen. You may be seated. I think it is pretty safe to say that without this letter to the church in Rome, we would not be here. The two most influential men in our branch of church history outside of Jesus and the Holy Spirit were very heavily influenced by this book we would likely still be christ followers maybe but we would probably be roman catholic or eastern orthodox instead of protestant or part of the wesleyan holiness churches called nazarene because this book romans was instrumental in the reformation in the understanding martin luther had about how people are saved Spoiler alert, it's not for sale and it's not based on works. And then because John Wesley, who was struggling in his faith, who was wrestling with big doubts, trying to figure out what it meant to be saved, how it changed him, one night heard Martin Luther's writings on Romans and realized that what he knew to be true was from the Holy Spirit. He said his heart felt strangely warmed and from there he started the Methodist movement in England and we respond as the Church of the Nazarene from that place a couple hundred years later. So what is it about Romans that captures the hearts of the reader to the extent that it changed the entire course of church history? Uh, Way more than I can unpack in one sermon, I promise. But these 16 chapters give us an understanding of the gospel, an understanding of how the gospel ties to the Old Testament, an understanding of the law, and an understanding of what the life of a believer looks like. Paul was writing to tell the Romans information, some of which they already had, some of which they needed to get, about what it was that they were doing in believing in Jesus. What it looked like to believe in Jesus. Romans tells us that our righteousness can never be enough, that the faith we have comes from God, and that everything we know about sins, being forgiven, and repentance stems from God's grace. Many of the verses in this book are used and misused for nefarious purposes, <laughs> or other purposes. Uh, it's been said that you can pretty much pick a verse out of Scripture to support any position that you have if you choose to use scripture that way that's why it's been so important that we follow the theme and thread of scripture all the way through because when you look at the whole context of everything that you read in scripture you begin to understand that when you pick out one verse here and there you lose the actual meaning of what it says because what it says is is connected to where it is in the book you can't just say that god works all things together for good without understanding that paul says that to a church as he says to them that they're going to endure suffering and persecution in other words he's not telling them that everything is going to be peachy keen in the short term Instead, he's giving them the insight that in the bigger picture, all of the things will work to good because God is remaking everything there is. Paul says that the suffering and heartache and weakness that are part of the waiting for redemption, the recreation of the whole earth, is necessary and part of what is a christian's outlook and when it happens when we see that recreation then we will know the goodness that stems from transformation of all the wrongness of sin god will turn everything upside down and make all things new and that will be the final wonder of god making all things good it's an echo of the genesis birth story The God who declares all things good in Genesis redeems creation throughout the story and in the redemption process, at the end of the redemption process, he remakes us, remakes creation, and declares that all things are good again. It's an echo of what Joseph says in Genesis 50 when Joseph tells us his brothers Tells his brothers that the little thing they did selling him into slavery that was bad and horrible and meant suffering for him Meant good for the whole family because God changed the ending Paul's letter to the Romans tells us That all of scripture Has to be included in the picture of The love letter from God It's a reminder that God's mercy and grace are an extension of God's love for us. God is on our side because God loves us. God has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to build in us the ability to live like Christ, to love like God does. That's no small thing, because how does God love? God loves us enough to make us conquerors of sin and death by the death of Jesus. We can't forget that part. God died to give us life. The connection of this to the rest of Scripture tells us that from Genesis to Revelation, there is a reminder over and over that God loves us and God's love doesn't ever send us away. God's love isn't something we can shake free of. God never stops telling us about that love and never stops pursuing us so we can enjoy the freedom of that love. God promises us that it is the very core of who God is, and not only that, that we can rest in that love, we can trust it for every good and perfect gift, and we can live that promise to everyone around us. Paul says that we are more than conquerors, but he says we are not more than conquerors because we fight battles with people around us but because we overcome sin and death through Jesus by loving people who are most unlovable. Kind of the opposite of how we sometimes use that verse. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, Paul writes in Romans 12, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought Honor one another above yourselves. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. In other words, you can't say you're a conqueror because you went out and told everyone all the wrong things they did as though that were sufficient to draw them to Christ. Instead, you don't overcome evil by being evil in and of yourself back to them. Instead, you overcome evil with good. You do the things that show people what love looks like. We have so much mercy that has been given to us, and it is our responsibility in turn to offer mercy to those around us. We cannot triumph with the same weapons that are used against us. We cannot use hate, deceit, and violence Instead, we stand peacefully where there is violence. We offer generosity and kindness where there is hate. And we speak the truth of the gospel where there is deceit. And we wait, along with the whole of creation, for the resurrection that will make all things new, that will complete the transformation not only of us individually, but of the entire creation that holds its breath, longing for the good that God has promised will be reborn. It starts with each of us who surrender to Christ and begins the work of redemption as God transforms us, and then through us, the small spaces of the world where we live and move and breathe and work. We can't transform everything. We're not God but we can work to make improvements in the places where we are. We can do small things. If you've ever seen pictures of places where there's such incredible devastation. For example, after the forest fires, the wildfires in Northern California, there was a place where immediately after, or a little while after the forest fires had gone through, the whole entire area the field was covered with poppies. It wasn't a huge transformation. It didn't rebuild all the homes that had been lost. It didn't fix everything. But it changed that small area from a place of scarred blackness to beautiful, beautiful flowers. Sometimes we only have the ability to plant one flower at a time. But that's okay. That's all we can do. But as we do that, God works. And God uses the little bit we have to offer and transforms it into something bigger. Paul's words in this letter tie together all of Scripture. Because in Romans 13:8 to 10, he reminds us that all of scripture is a love letter. All of a scripture, all of scripture is a reminder to love our neighbor. All of scripture is the gospel, the good news, if we remember the deepest meaning of the law. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, (laughs) love is the fulfillment of the law. This is why we are here. This is why we live our lives for others. Not because by doing so we can earn our way to Jesus, but because Jesus has shown us the way and given us the love we need to do it. We cannot live this without Jesus. We cannot live this without the power of the Holy Spirit. But if we are not living this, we can be changed so that it becomes the very core of who we are. Paul says it this way in Romans 5 1 5. Therefore, who has been given to us. We can do this, not in our own power, but through the love of God that has been given to us. If you don't know God's love for yourself, or if you are not sure if you have claimed the Holy Spirit's power in your life to let you love your neighbor, then I ask you to claim or reclaim that today as we celebrate around the table. Because God's love is for you. And God's love is for everyone. And nothing can ever separate us from that love if we choose to let it fill us and empower us and work in us. I'd ask you to pull out your blue sheets now. And together we're going to go through what does it mean to say god loves loves to create us to form us from the dust to let us fail to let us choose our own way over god's to let us chain ourselves to sin and defeat and heartbreak and sorrow and death to provide a rescue a way back through wanderers murderers adulterers defaulters promise breakers foreigners strangers and lovers God us to show us mothers, judges, kings, and prophets who loved and spoke for God and kept reminding us of the promise of redemption. God loves us to show us how evil and wrong continually mess things up and how obedience to God fosters holiness and bestows blessing. God us to send us Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, to preach and live peace, grace, hope, joy, and love. To see Jesus rejected, to see him die, to see him buried. To raise Jesus from the dead and send the Holy Spirit to remind us of all we have in him and empower us to live like Jesus. To want us to live like Jesus, an abundant life infused with all the fruit of the Spirit, redeemed, free, loved. To still let us choose our own destiny. To promise the hope of forever of resurrection from the dead and final judgment god loved us enough god loves us enough god will always love us enough for god so loved the world beloved god loves you god wants you to know it god wants you to live in it god wants you to be able to love others because you know you are loved And God's love is expressed to us every week, most tangibly, as we gather at this table. The Son who died and yet lives gave everything so we could know the depth of God's love. So come, drink the wine, eat the bread, know you are loved. God loves you. Go love the world with him.